I want to take a second to remind you to sign up for the Poso Daily Brief. It is completely free. It'll be one email that's sent to you every day. You can stop the endless scrolling trying to find out what's going on in your world. We will have this delivered directly to you totally for free. Go to humanevents.com slash Poso. Sign up today. It's called the Poso Daily Brief. Read what I read for show prep. You will not regret it. Humanevents.com slash Poso. Totally free. The Poso Daily Brief. what happens when the fourth turning meets fifth generation warfare. A commentator, international social media sensation, and former Navy intelligence veteran. This is Human Events with your host, Jack Posobiec. Deliver us from the border. Evil. I mean, we're looking every day at the invasion of migrants, and they're playing a time game with politics on this. And migrants from China are emerging as the fastest growing group of people trying to cross the southern border into the United States. Officials saying more than 24,000 Chinese nationals came into the country via the southwest border back in 2023. And if you do the math, that's more than 10 times higher than the year before. If we walk out of Ukraine, what kind of signal does that send to Xi Jinping in his calculus about Taiwan? To embolden dictators, undermine the confidence of our allies would just be a, a disaster. It would haunt this country for generations. El Salvador's president won re-election, claiming about 80% of the vote. President Nayib Buleke was the heavy favorite to win another five-year term. The president has ardent support. There's a very large group of people in the country that feel left out or quite angry about that. And Mr. Trump is an avatar for their anger. He represents them. He's sort of this orange wrecking ball crashing into the institutions of the establishment. This week, the Supreme Court will hear oral arguments in Donald Trump's ballot eligibility appeal. The justices will review the decision of the Colorado Supreme Court, which ruled against the former president in December, citing the 14th Amendment's insurrectionist ban. Formal challenges to Trump's candidacy has been filed in at least 35 states. After Judge Chutkin ordered that Donald Trump did not have presidential immunity and that the federal charges of election interference would go forward against him, then three weeks ago, his team went before that uh, three-judge panel, uh, the appeals court, and laid out their case as to why the uh, charges against him should be dismissed. Three weeks later, we have that decision from the appeals court in which they affirm Judge Shutkin's decision and say that Donald Trump does not have presidential immunity. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, live from Washington, D.C. Today is February 6, 2024, Anno Domini. President Trump does not have presidential immunity. I'm reading through this ruling from the D.C. panel and the D.C. appeals court, and this is a court that is a Democrat-controlled appeals court. It's an area particularly where Democrats like to choose their future Supreme Court justices from, and so they'll put basically who they think are the top Democrats, the top legal mind of the Democrat left, uh, in order to sort of get them ready for the Supreme Court. The decision that came down here is patently insane. It's actually, it's, it defies all logic. It is completely lawless. And I'll walk you through, I'll walk you through the, the, the wording of it because it's, it's incredible. It says that for the purpose of this criminal case, former President Trump has become citizen Trump. Former President Trump has become citizen Trump for the purpose of this case. 
So let me walk through that for a little bit. It's saying that because the case was charged after he left the presidency, therefore presidential immunity no longer applies. Okay, but that's not how that works. On January 6th, Donald Trump was the duly elected sworn in president of the United States, of these United States. He remained president throughout all of January 6th. In fact, he remained president until Biden was sworn in on January 20th, 14 days later. And so for this court to simply unilaterally determine that he was citizen Trump on that day, it flies in the face of the law. It flies in the face of our constitution. It flies in the face of our traditions. It flies in the face of every single act of every other presidency until this one, the 45th. And why do you ask? Why do you ask they're doing this? It's quite simple. Because communists don't actually believe in the things they say they believe in. They only believe in destroying their enemies and tearing down the things that other people have built. Communists only are animated by envy of those who are successful, envy of those who have actually achieved something in the real world, envy of those who are better looking, who are better sounding, who are better speakers, who are better businessmen, who are better statesmen. Our economy was better. Our world was better. And they hated him for this. They didn't like his demeanor. They didn't like his tweets. And so they've just decided the Constitution, the law, it doesn't apply. And guess what, boys and girls? The Constitution is just a piece of paper. If the judges you have in office decide they don't believe it. Gavin Wax joins us next to talk more about this incredible ruling, which will, by the way, go to the Supreme Court. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the best ways that you can support us here at Human Events and the work that we do is subscribing to us on our Rumble channel. Make sure you're subscribed, you hit the notifications so you'll never miss a clip, you'll never miss a new live episode, and we're putting them out every single day of the week. When I grew up in the hood, I rolled with bloods, and then boys had a saying. You can't be listening to all that slappy whack, trim out his outlets, a bam ship, nippy bam bam, like human events with Jack Posobiec. All right, Jack Posobiec back live, human events daily, Washington, D.C. Folks, with the world quickly descending into chaos, the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it's another pandemic or something closer to home, preparedness is no longer an option. It's a necessity. That's where the wellness company comes in from something innocent and natural, like a tick bite to COVID to the next bioweapon manufactured in a lab, the wellness company's medical emergency kit. And I just got mine this week, by the way, finally got it in. It's what you need to be prepared. I just got life-saving medications like ivermectin, and yes, I took it, emergency antibiotics, a Z-Pack, and so much more, as well as a guidebook to aid in the safe use of these life-saving medications. The wellness company and their doctors, we're talking Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Reich, Dr. Drew Pinsky, Dr. Robert Seek, and so many more, these are medical professionals that you can trust. 
Rest assured knowing that you're ready for whatever the globalists throw at us next. To order, just go to twc.health/poso. That's twc.health/poso. Enter promo code POSO for 10% off. The wellness company and their licensed doctors are medical professionals you can trust, and their medical emergency kits are the gold standard for keeping all of us safe. Again, that's twc.health/poso. Promo code POSO, 10% off. See the site for details. Some of the stuff you need a prescription for, so you'll put your info in. Look, when I got mine the other day, uh, I was I loved this thing. I said, man, wellness company kit, this is incredible. This is the easiest way to get access to some of these medications. So much easier, by the way, than going to your regular doctor. Um, when I got mine in, and you guys may remember this. You may remember I had a little had a little little frog in my throat, had a little scratchiness traveling around, flying around the country. Um, we were down, we were over there in Vegas, you know, doing the event last week. You know, you know, you know what goes around in Vegas. So had a little something, got in, and boom, right when I got home, my wellness company kit was waiting for me. I said, boom, I'm, I took some z I took some ivermectin, feeling fit as a fiddle, and you can tell my throat feels perfectly fine. Thank you to the wellness company. You guys are fantastic. But what's not fantastic is this insane ruling that's come down here. Gavin Wax joins us from the New York Young Republicans. Gavin, you're also the author of the emerging populist majority. I want to get into that in a, in a second here. But uh, as you look at this presidential immunity ruling, um, you know, the, a lot stands out here. But, uh, you know, I've, I sort of flippantly thrown out, are any, any Republican AGs going to step up and indict Joe Biden? Because that means we can just indict anyone right now under the current federal uh, guideline on this. But Gavin, why is it that presidential immunity is, is actually something that's been part of our constitutional system since the beginning? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think you're alluding to it uh, and the views that I hold that the immunity is already baked into the Constitution. And uh, this latest ruling uh, just is a spit in the face, uh, spitting in the face of the Constitution, spitting on it, spitting on the tradition that has uh, guided this country uh, for the last few centuries. And uh, unfortunately, we've really entered into a period of our country's history where this sort of weaponized uh, judicial system, these weaponized courts and federal prosecutors are being allowed to run a muck uh, and go after their political opponents uh, with uh, complete, uh, you know, impunity. And as a result of that, we're seeing the sort of division, we're seeing the sort of chaos, we're seeing uh, this all play out in real time as they're waging this legal war against uh, President Trump uh, for the crime of being popular and being most likely uh, to win the upcoming 2024 election. But you also make a great point that if the Democrats are going to set this precedent, if they are going to set this new standard uh, in terms of how we conduct ourselves politically, uh, then the Republicans uh, should grow a backbone and say, fine, we'll meet you uh, on the field that you've chosen to meet us on. And that is now open uh, legal warfare. So they want to fling indictments. We should fling 10 times more indictments back at them. They want to, you know, prosecute and try and imprison their political opponents. All right, well, we control a lot of attorney general positions across the country. We control many state governments, many trifecta governments. Uh, in these red states, we should use all the political power available to us uh, to wage <clears throat> a similar counteroffensive against the Democrats and uh, their uh, po- politicians and elected officials. Joe Biden being one of them. And, you know, what would work well in our favor is that many of these Democrats are actually corrupt and crooked and are actually guilty of uh, many crimes and are walking felonies, as far as I'm concerned. They just simply have never been treated equally under the law. So we can, you know, 
say that we're simply applying the law equally for the first time and, uh, you know, wage the necessary type of political warfare that needs to be waged if we're going to play for keeps and play to win. But I don't see that happening. And uh, hopefully this goes to SCOTUS. Hopefully SCOTUS finds the courage to make the correct ruling uh, and knock this nonsense off before it's too late. But if they don't have the courage, then we need to find it elsewhere and we should be prepared to fight. Gavin, why is it that, uh, you know, these Democrats and are willing so much to use political lawfare uh, to use this to achieve their ends. And I was actually having this discussion with a, a mutual friend of ours who will remain nameless for, for the time being because it was a private conversation and I just don't roll that way. But, you know, we were talking about how um, these these Democrats, the left, communists, whatever you want to call it, their their sole animating purpose is envy of things that other people have built and so their sole animating purpose therefore their their locus of you know the source of their power i guess you could say isn't so much the the hope for actually doing something good for the country it's hatred of the people who are currently in power uh you see this when it comes to them wanting to obviously tear down our statues is the most obvious symbol of this and the iconoclasm that they have for anyone uh who goes through our past particularly any any white members of the you know the, who built this country which um of course includes pretty much every single one of the founding fathers uh, all of our great founding leaders up to teddy roosevelt who was taken down in uh in new york city but there there's something really that strikes at this where they'll tell you they love they love the people that were they're just operating of no you're not you can go to any one of those houses that has hate has no home here right uh, that's uh, on the uh, ubiquitous sign that's out front and you walk up to them and say knock knock hi i'm i'm a trump supporter and they'll start screeching at you those people are not animated by love they're animated by hate they're animated by envy they do not have our nation and our civilization's best interests at heart and i can't find any better example of this than what's going on in your your city right now of new york no, absolutely, Jack. Uh, look, hate is a powerful emotion. You know, I'm waiting for uh, the Saxon to learn to hate or the Republican to learn to hate. I think this is an emotion uh, that maybe we need a little bit more of now. There's a lot to be angry about. There's a lot to hate. There's a lot to be resentful about with uh, the state of our institutions, the state of our country, uh, the state of our political elites. And uh, I think now is a time for passion. I think now it's a time for rage. And uh, I think for far too long, uh, Republicans have been governed by this sort of milk toast. Uh, weak uh, and ineffective political class, you know, embodied by, you know, individuals like Langford out of Oklahoma. These these guys uh, have never uh, found a fight that they could walking win. Walking physiognomy, physiognomy check, by the way. Senator Langford exactly. is a walking physiognomy check. Never fails. Exactly, but he's... And he's representative of a huge chunk of the ruling establishment of the Republican Party. Many Republican elected officials from the local state to federal level uh, have the same kind of vision and outlook and, uh, you know, temperament as a Lankford. You know, the surrender caucus, they're ready to give in. They're ready to cede ground. They're ready to, to hand over the narrative to the left. And they're not willing to fight for anything. Uh, maybe they're their own bottom line if they're at least selling out. But some of them are not even that savvy. Some of them are just bullied. I could uh, at least have respect for. For someone who is just corrupt, right? I could at least have a little bit of grudging respect to say, all right, well, you're just corrupt. You're just making money, right? right. You're lying in your pockets. Fine. I can understand that, right? I can, I can have a little bit of, of that. But these guys, I'm telling you, man, and, and I wish because you understand how DC works. I've been here a long time as well, that 
these guys actually believe the things they're saying. Langford, a guy, by the way, who, who walked out there, put this whole thing together, and then it totally crapped the bed. And then Mitch McConnell himself stabbed his own guy in the back and then ordered the caucus to vote against the bill that he's, his own guy had been negotiating. This, it, it has to be said, when you, when you talk about the emerging populist majority, though, and just real quick before we go to the break here, we got two minutes, that this is incredible. Um, the patriots of America stood up to this bill and just using social media and being able to call in programs like Human Events, War Room, Charlie Kirk and others, we defeated this thing, didn't we? Oh, absolutely. We all need to use every weapon at our disposal, and that includes bullying, shaming, and demoralizing yes. these midwits yes. and, and smashing them into submission. You know, flood their office with phone calls, with hate mail, you know, ratio their posts, uh, you know, heckle them whenever you can. I mean, they really need to be scared. And I think for far too long, these establishment hacks, many of whom are incredibly stupid, by the way, uh, many of them have never feared the base. They've never feared their constituents. And I think if we show them that we're angry, Angry. If we show them that they need to fear us far more than they fear Chuck Schumer or whoever else they're taking orders from, then maybe we can bend them to our will and get them actually to operate and, and, and effectuate on the uh, electoral mandates that won them their office to begin with. In many cases, they made many promises to their voters and they delivered on none of them. So I think now is a time uh, to really show our rage and really beat them into submission and let them know that if they want to hold their office, if they want to represent Republicans in a deep red state like Oklahoma, in this instance, then they better act like a deep red state Republican and conservative and vote accordingly. And if they don't, their political career will be over and they'll be ridiculed and mocked uh, relentlessly in every media that we can find. And uh, they'll have no political future to speak of. Yeah, I, I, I want this guy. I want this guy, Langford, send him down to like the Joe Exotic Zoo and trap him in one of those cages. And then we can I don't know if Exotic is still around, but he's, he might be in jail. But put him in one of those cages and we can just go laugh and mock him as we go by on the roadside. And we could, you know, we could toss him some of the, some of the scraps from like the Walmart meat when they're not using it anymore, just to, just to keep him going, just to make him sure, make sure that he's there. And then we will continue. We will continue this type of treatment for every single one of these establishment hacks that does not do the will of the base. It's as simple as that. This will go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court will have their say. This will not go to trial before the 2024 election. But again, this this case, these establishment hacks need to learn righteous anger, righteous indignation, as Andrew Breitbart taught us. Stay tuned. Human Events Daily got a lot more coming. You talk about influencers. These are influencers. And uh, they're friends of mine, Jack Rusovic. Where's Jack? Jack. He's done a great job. All right, Jack Pasobic, we are back here live. Just a couple of, of, of other points that I want to make on this. So, by the way, Mitch Mitch is essentially saying um, he's he's declaring surrender right now. So uh, they're com they've completely backed down. People need to understand this is the Chamber of Commerce. This is the Club for Growth. This is so many individuals that were lined up against us. They have they've all backed down. Uh, Trump came in and I said, look, essentially he took that bill, drug it out to, into the street, and shot it in the head uh, with his post with looking at this thing and really anybody else out there who's looking there's there's a question for this remember they're calling tucker carlson a traitor because i mean we've got the clip in a minute so he just officially announced that he will be interviewing vladimir putin the interview will be coming out he's also 
um, requested an interview with Zelensky. But, and listen to this, but they're also saying that, so Tucker's a traitor for doing that, but, oh, no, 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 you're not a traitor for aiding and abetting the invasion of the United States. Yeah, I don't think so. That's not going to fly. And, and Gavin, by the way, just we've got to give a huge shout out to the president's legal team here because what they're essentially doing, their strategy of pushing these things, challenging every single inch, not giving them an inch, challenging every single line of these statements in these cases, these novel legal theories, it looks like it's going to win the day because I've had a lot of people pointing out that there's no way that this thing goes to trial before the election because this will go to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court does not move quickly. Nor should they. No, absolutely. I, I think time is uh, the key. The key focus here, and uh, timing is everything in 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 a traditional legal fight. But certainly, something as uh, radical and as important as and as uh, you know fundamental as this fight that uh, the president is facing. Uh, so I think their strategy of really dragging this out, fighting every line, every every sentence, every word, uh, and pushing back wherever they can is paying off dividends uh, and pushing a lot of these cases back uh, as far back as they can go. Is is, is really the name of the game here. And ultimately, uh, we're going to hope that the Supreme Court finds the courage to, to rule uh, in the correct and proper way. Uh, hopefully they do. But otherwise, uh, our fallback uh, you know, strategy here is to push it past the election. And once you're in power, we can deal with it from there. But uh, right now, getting him back to where he rightfully belongs in the Oval Office, in the White House, uh, that's the first and foremost priority uh, and everything else right now is is an obstacle to that. It's a distraction, needs to be dealt with accordingly. Uh, and I think they're doing just that. I think he's had a series of legal victories uh, overall, if we look at this at, at the macro level. Uh, and I think that's only gonna continue to happen uh, as these cases and uh, trials and, and, and litigations moving, continue to develop. Yeah, moving into the, the situation that I just mentioned about the traitor Tucker and Sebastian Gorka, by the way, is out there labor, labeling Tucker Carlson a traitor for uh, holding an interview with Vladimir Putin. I, I don't understand why Sebastian Gorka, who also attacked reporting on the connection between the FBI training materials and the pipe bombs, uh, would be attacking, you know, waging this attack on Tucker Carlson for conducting an interview with the world leader. I think Tucker should interview all the world leaders, by the way. We've got Tucker's clip. Without further ado, Gavin, let's check it out. We'll leave, guys, let's leave the mics open so that we can, uh, we can react in real time. We're in Moscow tonight. We're here to interview the president of Russia, Vladimir Putin. We'll be doing that soon. There are risks to conducting an interview like this, obviously. So we've thought about it carefully over many months. Here's why we're doing it. First, because it's our job. We're in journalism. Our duty is to inform people. Two years into a war that's reshaping the entire world, most Americans are not informed. They have no real idea what's happening in this region here in Russia or 600 miles away in Ukraine. But they should know. They're paying for much of it in ways they might not fully yet perceive. The war in Ukraine is a human disaster. It's left hundreds of thousands of people dead, an entire generation of young Ukrainians, and it's depopulated the largest country in Europe. But the long-term effects are even more profound. This war has utterly reshaped the global military and trade alliances and the sanctions that followed have as well. And in total, they have upended the world economy. The post-World War II economic order, the system that guaranteed prosperity in the West for more than 80 years, is coming apart very fast, and along with it, the dominance of the US dollar. 
These are not small changes. They are history-altering developments. They will define the lives of our grandchildren. Most of the world understands this perfectly well. They can see it. Ask anyone in Asia or the Middle East what the future looks like. And yet the populations of the English-speaking countries seem mostly unaware. They think that as nothing has really changed. And they think that because no one has told them the truth. Their media outlets are corrupt. They lie to their readers and viewers. And they do that mostly by omission. For example, since the day the war in Ukraine began, American media outlets have spoken to scores of people from Ukraine, and they've done scores of interviews with Ukrainian President Zelensky. We ourselves have put yeah. in a request for an interview with Zelensky, and we hope he accepts. Wow. But the interviews he's already done in the United Sounds States cool. are not traditional interviews. They are fawning pep sessions, specifically designed to amplify Zelensky's demand that the U.S. enter more deeply into a war in Eastern Europe and pay for it. That is not journalism. It is government propaganda, propaganda of the ugliest kind, the kind that kills people. At the same time, our politicians and media outlets have been doing this, he just flipped promoting a foreign leader like he's a new consumer mm -hmm. brand. Not a single Western journalist has bothered to interview the president of the other country involved in this conflict, Vladimir Putin. Most Americans have no idea why Putin invaded Ukraine or what his goals are now. They've never heard his voice. That's wrong. True. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. And we have the right to tell them about it because we are Americans too. Freedom of speech is our birthright. We were born with the right to say what we believe. That right cannot be taken away no matter who is in the White House. But they're trying anyway. Almost three years ago, the Biden administration illegally spied on our text messages and then leaked the contents to their servants in the news media. They did this in order to stop a Putin interview that we were planning. Last month, we're pretty certain they did exactly the same thing once again. But this time, we came to Moscow anyway. We are not here because we love Vladimir Putin. We are here because we love the United States. And we want it to remain mm. prosperous and free. We paid for this trip ourselves. We took no money from any government or group. Nor are we charging people to see the interview. It is not behind a paywall. Anyone can watch the entire thing, shot live to tape and unedited, on our website, TuckerCarlson.com. so much money off this. Elon Musk, to his great credit, has promised not to suppress to. or block this interview once we post it on his platform, X, and we're grateful for that. Western governments, by contrast, will certainly do their best to censor this video on other less principled platforms because that's what they do. They are afraid of information they can't control. But you they'll, have no reason to be afraid of it. Take it out of context. We are not encouraging mm -hmm. you to agree with what Putin may say in this interview but we are urging you to watch it. You should know as much as you can. And then, like a free citizen and not a slave, you can decide for yourself. Thanks. This is like, this wow. is like when you're talking to somebody who's been just totally, it's, okay, I'll tell you what it's like, Gavin. It's like when you're talking to someone who's in, like a buddy who's in a bad relationship, and you're like, okay, she's been lying to you the whole time. <laughs> she's <laughs> cheating on you. 
we've seen her out around town. You're like, no, uh, no, uh. And your buddy's like, she would never do that, man. She <laughs> told me. It's like, I, she has another phone. She's lying to you. But the guy is just like so enamored with her that they won't listen. This is exactly like what Tucker's doing right now. You know, and it's, it's like, you know, maybe Ukraine isn't everything that we've been told. Maybe Zelensky isn't this perfect individual. I love how he flipped the script on there too where he was like, it was like, you know, he was, he was sort of talking, he didn't say it, but he was like, well, you're accusing me of being state propaganda, but you guys have been doing state propaganda for Zelensky for right. two years and nobody even asked this guy right. hard questions. How are you going to win? How are you going to defeat Russia in winter? How are you going to do that when nobody else is, which by the way, you know, uh, <laughs> many, many armies, including by the way, General Napoleon, the greatest general in probably world history, wasn't able to do so. He, got, he, got, he burned Correct. Moscow down, but he wasn't able to defeat Russia. But Zelensky can do this. Please explain to us how it's, it, and he, you know, he flips the entire script on it and says, you know, essentially you guys are the ones doing the propaganda. I've just got to go do an interview. My goodness. What's your take? Right. Well, listen, I think when, when we're living in, a, in an era of lies uh, surrounded by propaganda and uh, all this uh, narrative formation, when you finally see a, a real journalist doing real journalism, asking tough questions, interviewing controversial people, all of a sudden, uh, all of these sheep who have been, you know, led astray for all this time uh, by our institutions are finally, you know, gasping at the idea that someone would uh, run contrary to the narrative that they've been spoon fed. And I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this sort of knee jerk reaction. I mean, we're seeing all this hysterics uh, from the usual suspects. I mean, none of these people were calling any of the uh, past uh, journalists who have interviewed Vladimir Putin over the years traitors. You know, Chris Wallace, I remember, interviewed Vladimir Putin. I mean, he has been interviewed before by many mainstream networks. I think now, uh, more than ever, we deserve to hear uh, what the leader of Russia has to say about this world-changing conflict, a conflict that has brought us closer to the verge of nuclear war at any point since the Cold War conflict, one of the largest conflicts in continent Continental Europe, where hundreds of thousands of people have died fighting in literal trench warfare in the east of Ukraine. Uh, for what? For nothing. I mean, I, I watched uh, Putin's speech when he originally launched this, you know, special military operation against Ukraine. I was curious. I wanted to see what his views were, what his perspective was. That doesn't mean I support everything Russia does. That doesn't mean I support everything that Putin does. That just means that I'm actually, you know, trying to get why an independent we? sense why of what's happening. Why shouldn't we try to understand why these things Correct. are happening in our world? I watched Xi Jinping's speeches in Chinese to right. try to understand his mind, to try to understand where right. he's coming from. When Putin gave that speech and I had Tanya sitting next to me and, and she was live translating it for me uh, as he was going, it was late at night in uh, US time and we just happened to be up and I said- You were drinking hey, white Russians. And she, was, she was giving, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> and uh, you know, it, you know, I've got my, my live-in translator there and I said, hey, what's he talking about? And she's like, hey, he's talking about history. He's going through a lot of this, uh, you know, breakup of the Soviet Union. He's getting, He's getting right. into a lot of these these thorny issues um, that we in the West just sort of gloss over, and we're like, "Oh, this stuff doesn't matter." Well, it matters to them, right? And right. if it matters to them enough, it's not black and white. It's not. It, then maybe we should try to understand. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to come right back because all of this ties back to the sixty billion that they were trying to put into the border bill, and we are going to explain how connecting the dots when we come back. Human Events Daily. Where's Jack? Where's Jack? Where is he? Jack, I want to see you. Great job, Jack. Thank you. What a job you do. 
You know, we have an incredible thing. We're always talking about the fake news and the bad, but we have guys, and these are the guys who should be getting Pulitzer's. Jack Kosovic back here live, Human Events Daily, going through this announcement by Tucker that he will be interviewing Vladimir Putin. Uh, we know that we've seen a flurry of activity uh, from Tucker's uh, convoy, maybe getting some, going in and out of the Kremlin, maybe getting some materials together, maybe getting some equipment together. When you do an interview like this, obviously there's security concerns. Um, particularly when I've done events with President Trump, you know, when you bring cameras in, we know that, um, you know, you've got to. And, and by the way, I was at the, um, funny enough, I was at the, uh, the meeting, uh, the summit of President Trump and President Putin in Helsinki, Finland, at the presidential palace there when, when they held that meeting. And there was so much security there. Um, they check all the equipment, all the cameras that are going through, of course, are from the Russian side. And, and by the way, any presidential world leader is going to have something like that. I think it's silly that, that people think that this is some you know, special situation. No, if you're going to interview any president, you're going to have to go through multiple layers of security, multiple levels of that. They're going to check the equipment. But, but Gavin, this this really strikes to me on on a number of levels because, of course, this was an interview that Fox News didn't want to happen um, when they had the, the possibility to sit down with Putin. I believe it was on the sidelines of that Helsinki interview. They sent Chris Wallace. They didn't send Tucker Carlson. Uh, Chris Wallace was, you know, making some some claims to Putin. Putin was coming back, and you know, all these accusations. Hurling, but no actual interest of trying to understand what that was. Or actually, I correct me, I, I believe that was actually a little bit later, the, the Chris Wallace interview. It just comes to me. But, you know, why is it that the United States, that so many people don't want to hear an alternate point of view on U.S. actions and particularly on the U.S. system? Um, you know, some of the things that Tucker pointed out there, I think are going to be hard. I, I think are going to be hard truths. Hard truth that people need to realize that the United States is no longer looked at as the leader of the world, that the United States is, particularly in foreign policy, looked at as a bully. And this is why you're seeing these trading blocks like BRICS, um, like these currencies that are um, outside of the dollar, that people are looking to move then. And by the way, the Saudis just joined BRICS. Iran just joined BRICS. Pretty much all of OPEC is getting in on BRICS. So we have to understand, guys, the world is starting to leave us behind while we're cracking down and screaming at everybody who doesn't listen to us. And oh, by the way, you know, if you don't like it, well, we're going to bomb you. We're going to regime change your next door neighbor to try to get at you next. Uh, you know, why is it such a danger, Gavin, to simply sit down and have an interview with somebody? Well, it's just because we're we're in such a fragile uh, we're in such a fragile state that the narrative is so weak that the propaganda is not as effective as it once was, and uh, our position in the world uh, has never been weaker. I mean, we are no longer living in the era of Pax Americana, of a unipolar world order that we found ourselves in uh, in the early '90s after the collapse of the Soviet Union. We didn't do much with that uh, uni hyperpower status. We squandered it within 20 years. You know, flooding our country with illegals, uh, offshoring all our jobs and destroying everything that uh, prior generations of Americans had built up over generations and decades. Uh, so unfortunately, we really didn't use uh, our time in the sun uh, very wisely. And now uh, that entire world order that dates back, in some cases, all the way back to 1945 is completely collapsing. Tucker uh, referenced this. You have talked about this. Uh, and many people are not comfortable with that. Many people's, their entire livelihoods are based on perpetuating uh, these lies and 
falsehoods, this very juvenile, childish, black and white view of the world without any nuance, or the good guys in the West versus the bad guys in the East and vice versa. It's all very Orwellian. You know, we've always been at war with East Asia, Eurasia. You know, we've always been at war, yada, 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 nonsense. At the end of the day, uh, we need to understand that we're living in a multipolar world order with many great powers that have their own great power interests. They have their own national security uh, and strategic interests at stake, and they're going to operate and act accordingly. And the United States needs to understand that due to our leader's neglect, we are no longer in a position where we can effectively dictate the terms uh, of every conflict and every dispute across the world. I mean, we're seeing it uh, unfold in, in, in the blood-soaked fields of, of eastern Ukraine and the Donbass, where an entire generation of young Ukrainians have died in a, in a grand delaying action, a delaying action for nothing, for the inevitable, which is going to be effectively the depopulation of, of formerly the largest country in Europe, uh, with an entire young generation completely wiped out. And eventually Russia is just going to move in and take more land, gain more strategic depth, and get everything they wanted out of Ukraine. And we've got nothing to show for it besides depleted munitions, depleted stocks of arsenals, and a much more weakened and fractured world because of the sanctions and the trade blocks and all the rest. So the Western uh, diplomatic rules-based consensus in Brussels and London and D.C. has failed miserably. It's produced nothing besides conflict, war, destruction, uh, and destitution uh, for millions. And uh, we're no better off because of it. We're weaker than we ever have been. And Russia and the broader, you know, global South or anti-Western bloc has never been stronger and more ascendant. And if you're supposedly against that, well, maybe you should revisit your uh, strategies because they failed uh, in epic proportions. And right now, I think we need uh, an understanding of real geopolitical geopolitics, real politique. We need to get adults back in charge who are who understand how diplomacy works and how to actually achieve uh, our national interest at the negotiating table, rather than just children who are throwing temper tantrums and expending lives and treasure that we don't have uh, because they want to get their way. And that's effectively what we've seen happening uh, from Kiev to Washington. And uh, the sooner this war ends, the better the world will be. And I think part of that, part of achieving peace is going to come to the realization that the Russians have interests that they're going to fight for. The, un the Russians have a position that they're willing to stand on uh, and they're in a position to do so. They're a nuclear power. They're a great power. And uh, they're no longer the Russia of 1994. And uh, we have people if, in the State if, Department. We have people in D.C. who don't get that. You know, if I always point it out to people this way, if the country of Mexico entered into a military alliance with China and the Chinese Communist Party was claiming that they were going to start stationing Chinese bases along the southern border and were even talking about potentially bringing missile sites into Mexico, then you know what I'd be doing? I'd be going to Washington, D.C. I'd be in front of this microphone right now saying we need to invade Mexico immediately before that happens. We need to knock this insane government out of Mexico before that happens. And, you know, this would, of course, you know, if, if all diplomatic efforts had failed and if everything else had failed. And then, oh, by the way, let's say that we found out that actually China had instituted a, uh, a coup in Mexico and taken over their government and Chinese operatives or Chinese selected hand-picked operatives, puppets, maybe, I don't know, former actors, former uh, telenovela stars become the, the leaders of, 
uh, chi- or you know, excuse, leaders of Mexico as Manchurian candidates, you know, we would be saying the exact same thing. And you know what? So would any other serious great power if that was going on on their borders, because we would know it was a threat to the United States. The same way, by the way, Red Dawn specifically talked about this scenario. Of course, at that time, it was the Soviet Union. So the idea that a serious country would not look at a military alliance growing on its own borders as a threat. It's patently ridiculous. It's just patently ridiculous. And it's only because we've become so enamored with this view that we are the, the rules-based world order and we're, we're just the good guys. And anytime we do something, it's good and the world should let us do it. And anytime the bad guys do the exact same thing, well, they're bad and evil, even though it's the same thing as us. Last minute and a half, Gavin, tell us how, how does this drive the emerging populist majority that you talk about in your book? Well, absolutely. Listen, populism is is a fight against the elites, and the elites are completely out of touch. They're 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 drunk on their own uh, on their own power, and they've uh, really had no challenge uh, in recent history to their excesses and their failings, uh, particularly in the foreign policy arena. And we have, uh, as a country, have bled and spent uh, you know trillions of dollars of of, of our uh, of our national uh, economy and everything we've produced uh, overseas for nothing. Uh, it's been wasted away in the deserts of Iraq and. And the and the hills of Afghanistan for nothing, and now we're being asked uh, to hand over even more money to a corrupt uh, and dictatorial regime in Kiev, fighting a war that really isn't our fight, uh, with no strategic goal uh, that can actually be articulated. And uh, Americans are only becoming more poor because of it. We're only becoming more destitute because of it. And it's only adding to all the societal ailments that the elites have allowed uh, to run uh, amok in our country. And that's why it's so ridiculous that we're supposed to be so grieved and so angry with Russia and the border between Russia and Ukraine when our own border is open. We're supposed to be so angry about things when we sell land across our own military bases domestically to the Chinese. So we're, we, uh, the American people are seeing what the elites are doing. It makes no sense. We have no country over here, but we're fighting like nationalists over there. And uh, it just goes to show that this populist movement Gavin Wax, you've seen him in Rolling Stone magazine, head of the New York Young Republicans. Stay tuned. Human Events Daily has some more coming for you next. I'm always listening to Human Events with Jack Posobiec. All right, Jack Posobiec, back live, Human Events Daily, final segment. So I walked through, I did a surprise hit on Alex Jones earlier with Michael Yan, and I walked through what's going on right now in Europe. And as Tucker goes to interview Putin, we should look at the phase of the Ukraine war that we're currently in, because we're currently in, in one sense, we're in the end stage. But we're also in a very dangerous moment when it comes to this war. And let me explain what's happening. Throw the map up, guys. So as you can see, um, this, these layers, these areas of Ukraine that have been taken by Putin, that have been taken by Russia in this military conflict, uh, annexed, uh, many of which have been in essentially a de facto civil war with Ukraine uh, for many years, going all the way back to 2014, have really been locked. And of course, the Ukrainian military is just not, it's not faring well. Uh, This has become a war of attrition. This has been a situation where they know, right, the fundamentals of this have never changed. Regardless of your feelings on the war itself, the, the Ukraine was never going to be able to win this war simply because of the fact that the Ukrainian military is nowhere near the size of the Russian military. It was always in their best interest to come to a negotiated settlement, which apparently they did at the end of March of 2022, almost a full two 
years ago now. And we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of the war itself. The Russians knew this, the Ukrainians knew this, but apparently the Americans and the collective West and NATO knew this, but just didn't care. And so what did they say? They say, no, keep going. You can win this thing and we can collapse Russia's government the way that Russia wanted to collapse your government, or at least bring you to the negotiating table. Uh, of course, the Russian government did not collapse despite the sanctions, despite all the attempts to do so, Putin has not been thrown out of office. And, you know, I'm, th I'm sure Tucker Carlson will tell us whether or not Putin appears to have uh, cancer and all these other outlandish things that the, um, that the Daily Mail and New York Post have been claiming. But here's what's going on. Vicki Newland was just over in Ukraine about a week ago. Victoria Newland is the person who is intrinsically connected to the Maidan coup a decade ago 10 years ago this month in Maidan, Kiev. Maidan Square is the main square of Kiev. And so who did she put in charge? She put in charge people that were loyal to the European Union, who were loyal to Brussels, who were loyal to globalism. Victoria Newland is someone who has a familial hatred of Russia. But they don't actually hate the system of Russia because her family were the Trotskyite side, the Trotskyites who were kicked out when Stalin won in the 1930s. And so the neocons, and it's not just her, but all of the neocons have had this, and her family's from the Odessa region, and all of the neocons have had this anger towards Russia since then because their side, were, again, they were the Trotskyites who were kicked out. It's not any... You know, they don't have any issue with communism or uh, Russianism or any of these different things. It's, 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 it's a blood feud that you're looking at here. And so they have an irrational hatred towards Russia, which is why they're pushing any government to conduct irrational moves towards Russia, like the stuff that we're seeing right now, urging these people to their deaths. Hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians have died in this. They're sending women over now, by the way, to the front lines in Ukraine. That's how bad things have gotten. Uh, and remember, of course, as I said two years ago when I was there, it is the Ukrainian people who are the greatest victims of this, right? The Ukrainian people who are caught in the middle, the Ukrainian people, the families, the good people who don't deserve what's going on there. But so, and if you can show the map up again, I can walk through what's happening here. So remember what's going on in Syria. And when we showed you the Syria map, we pointed out that U.S. bases were located uh, in the northeast where the Kurds were and then along the south of the, where the border with Iraq was. What you're going to see next is the Syrianization of Ukraine. What does this mean? That you will see forces, now it'll be flipped, so in western Ukraine, that's where you're going to see forces come in, most likely from Poland, possibly some from Sweden as well. Sweden, of course, has a lot of historic anger towards Russia uh, from the Northern War from several hundred years ago. P Poland, of course, um, has a lot of recent history with Russia, a lot of recent reasons to uh, not be too big fans of the Russians. But what you're going to instead see, instead of U.S. troops going, although Chuck Schumer has already been threatening this, he was threatening it yesterday that you'd see U.S. troops, so maybe we'll see them. But what I think is more likely is that you'll see NATO troops led by Poland coming in to stabilize Western Ukraine. You'll see a split, West Ukraine, East Ukraine, just like we saw during the Cold War where there was the split of Germany, West Germany, East Germany. Then you'll get what? That DMZ, the Berlin Wall, uh, that Putin's already talked about establishing a DMZ. We don't know exactly where that's going to be, but most likely it's going to be along that Dnieper River that splits Ukraine down the middle. 
then you're going to have a situation where what's the big thing going on in Ukraine? Well, Vicky Newland is there. Zelensky is saying we're, we've been told that he's going to be firing the head of the Ukrainian military. Very popular guy, Zeluzhny. But who's he going to replace him with? Well, it seems that he's going to replace him with this guy, Budanov. Budanov's a young guy. He's the same age as me. He's an a former intelligence officer and someone who's deeply steeped in special operations. What we're talking about is Operation Gladio 2.0 style operations that would be conducted in the Russian backfield as well as provocations being done to people in the West. What do I mean by this? Operation Gladio was the CIA leave behind networks during the Cold War that were set up to conduct attacks, terrorist attacks against civilians and then blame them on the Soviet Union. Well, you're going to see the very same thing going on in Ukraine. They're going to blame it on Russia. Then you're going to see more terrorist attacks, covert attacks in Russia. Uh, remember, this guy, Budinov, same guy who was behind the attack on the Kerch Strait Bridge, where they blew up a truck driver and murdered him in cold blood in order to take the bridge. And I think it was only down, like one lane of the bridge was down for a couple of days. Like, that was the worst of it. That was the extent of it. And they murdered a guy in cold blood as well as a bunch of people who were just driving on the bridge. So you're going to see these civilian attacks. That's what the $60 billion is for because they're moving this thing to a counterinsurgency, or I should say they're moving it to an insurgency. They want to funnel this the same way that the United States was behind the, the rise of the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. They're going back to Charlie Wilson's war kind of stuff like they did in Afghanistan during the 1980 war against the Soviet Union. These guys only have one playbook and they keep doing it over and over. That's why we've still got Americans in Syria. And oh, by the way, they're going to hope, they're going to hope that some poor NATO soldier or a couple of them get killed just like our three soldiers got killed at Tower 22. So then they can blame it on Russia because they want to use them as human meat shields to start World War III. This is the struggle that we're in. This is the animating contest that we're in. Do you want to go to war or do you want to save the world, save America, shut down our border and actually fix this country? If you'd want to do so, you might, well, you might as well get behind Donald J. Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.